This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas Umstadt, Jr. I'm James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who really don't like marketing, which might be you, but you still want to be a best-selling author. In this episode, we're going to talk about email and more specifically how to avoid the spam filter when you send out an email. Because we talk often about how email is gold. But if it can't get through the spam filter and does not end up in your reader's box, then it's as good as dead. That's right. We, we, we've talked to you about how important email is. That comes up a lot in the podcast. We've even talked to you about what to do. Now we're going to tell you what you should never do. <laughs> now, let me, let me start off by asking, Thomas, um, should people ask themselves, am I a spammer? Because there's some people that do not think they're a spammer, but they are. Yeah, in fact, I think most people who are spammers. So the the thing about spam is that spam is in the eye of the beholder. So everyone, the be reader. <laughs> so everyone has a button in their inbox that says "Mark is spam" or "Mark is junk," and if they push that button for you, you are spam. And you're like, "Well, what's the big deal?" Well, it's a big deal. For one, it could be illegal. Like you could actually get in trouble with the United States government. And let me tell you, you do not want to be in trouble with the United States government. Jail time is not what you want for promoting your book <laughs> or fine uh, or any of the other ways that the United States government. The government does enough to make our lives miserable without us breaking the law. So you don't need to break the law to make it worse. But it, but perhaps even worse than the United States government, you can be published punished by the Google. <laughs> So you're like, what do you mean? Yeah, so you send an email to somebody in Gmail, and they mark you as spam. Now for every other Gmail user, you are spam. And you're like, well, that's not fair. It's like, well, you're the one who sent the email the guy thought was spam. So it's not necessarily one for one. Maybe it takes two people to mark you as spam or three people, but it doesn't take very many. And you're like, well, that's just Google being really strict. It's like, it's not just Google. It's also AOL and Yahoo. They all do that. So when someone clicks mark as spam, that is a huge slap. Uh, on, I'd say slap on the wrist, but it's really more than that. It's more like a punch in the face. And so you don't want people to click that button because they are say, saying to their ISP, this person is spam for everyone, not just this person is spam for me. So before we tell you how to not get marked as spam, we should probably talk a little bit about how spam filters work. Because it can seem a little bit like magic, right? It's like, how does uh, my uh, ISP know that these emails are spam. It's like, well, it does two things. The first, if you think of the email as a like a paper envelope, which I realize is kind of old-fashioned thinking. No, but that that gives us a picture in our mind. Right. So if you think think of it as a paper envelope, the first thing the ISP does is it looks on the outside of the envelope. And it's asking questions like, is this sender's domain reputable? Do I trust the IP address of the sender's server? Uh, is it is the server in a bad neighborhood? So this is one of the areas where uh, if you're using cheap hosting, you can get stuck in a bad neighborhood where because you may have never done anything bad, but because your neighbors with a bunch of spammers, they're like, hmm. He lives in that neighborhood? What is he doing there? Right. And so there's kind of three levels. There's known to be good, known to be bad, and then what Google calls bad neighborhood. So you want to try to stay out of a bad neighborhood. And then other questions like has this... Uh, user opened emails from the sender before have they responded to emails from the sender before so uh, you may sometimes people are begging you please add me to your address book the reason they're doing that is because somebody else has marked them as spam and they're starting to go to spam and they're trying to get out of the doghouse <laughs> so get, i want to move up to the new neighborhood <laughs> yeah i want to get out of the bed uh, the second thing the isp does 
or the spam filter does is it looks at the actual email itself. It reads the email and it's trying to figure out if it smells like spam. So it's asking questions like, is the HTML clean? Is it one big image? Is there a plain text copy? Does it smell like spam? Does it use the kinds of words that spammers use? So that's how it, uh, that's how spam filters work. So now let's talk about how you cannot get um, blocked uh, by the spam filter. The first tip is the double opt-in. Now, we're big on saying don't make your reader go through <laughs> hoops. Make it as easy as possible. Well, this is one where you're going to make them do a little tiny this, bit this more work. <laughs> this is the exception. But it is well worth it. And, and essentially, it's saying... Do you want to come over to my house for uh, dinner, Thomas? Yes. Do you really want to come over? To my yes, house I really for want dinner? to come over. For oh, okay. Then then come on over. And so you're 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 making sure that they know what they're doing. And even that doesn't always happen. Uh, for example, I'll do a newsletter uh, campaign, and people will sign up for the list, and then I'll go to Mailchimp and see that these people have unsubscribed. And the reason they give is. I never signed up for your newsletter, which of course is impossible because they could not have gotten in without the double opt-in. But uh, and Thomas, you probably are going to talk about that in a second. But make every effort to ask these people: Do you really want to be on the? That's list? right. There's several reasons why double opt-in is so important. One is that someone can get accidentally subscribed to a list if you don't have double opt-in or even maliciously subscribe to a list. So one way to prank someone on the internet is to sign them up for a whole bunch of email newsletters, um, which, which I shouldn't be laughing about. It's, it's, it's not funny, but it's but funny. It's funny. Oh, you're right. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, there was one guy who was a professional spammer, like a legit sending spam, you know, the worst kind of spam, and his name got posted on the internet. And uh, this one online community signed him up for like 6,000 different paper catalogs. <laughs> so now every day, like the post office is bringing him like 20 or 30 pounds worth of catalogs, right? So um, that's one reason. But another, there are robots that will just go sign people, sign up for any form. There's an email. They'll just drop in an email address. It could drop in your email address. And, or someone mistyped their email and accidentally subscribed you. In all of those ways, that's someone marking spam for a very legitimate reason. They didn't get subscribed, but they didn't type in the, the field. So a double opt-in will 100% prevent that. The other reason double opt-in is really important is that if you're using a tool like MailChimp or Constant Contact, uh, it creates a record of that double opt-in so that then when someone marks as spam, they have some evidence that they can give to Google. Like, no, 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 this was accidental or they're using spam as a way to unsubscribe. Don't punish us as severely. And so the Google judge, the Google gods, you know, will maybe have mercy on you if you're using a double opt-in. Uh, the second tip is to have a one-click unsubscribe. And... I re this is really important because you know how many clicks it takes to mark you a spam? <laughs> One. <laughs> and so if it takes two clicks to unsubscribe legitly, what's easier? Well, unclicking spam is easier. So this is one of the reasons I don't like constant contact because the steps right now to unsubscribe from a constant contact safe unsubscribe form, click, type in your email address, which you have a really long name like umstat is really obnoxious. <laughs> and then you have to click again. So it's two clicks and maybe 10 keystrokes or 15 keystrokes. That's a lot of hassle. So every time I'm wanting to unsubscribe from a constant contact 
user's email, I'm always tempted to just click mark as spam because I know Constant Contact will unsubscribe me automatically if Google reports to them that I marked the email as spam. But I know that that's mean to the person, so I go through and type it. But I'd much prefer them use a tool like MailChimp where it's just one click and then you're done. So it's just as easy as it is uh, to market as spam. And so you want people to unsubscribe from your email list. You're like, what? <laughs> Jim is still like staring at me right now. It's like two reasons why you want people to unsubscribe. One, you have to pay for your subscribers. Every professional email tool charges you based on the number of subscribers. So if, if you're paying for someone who do, isn't opening your emails or doesn't want those emails, you don't want to be paying for that person. At Author Media, every once in a while, we go through and we unsubscribe people who haven't opened an email in a year. So if you go a year without opening an email from us, we unsubscribe you whether you want to get unsubscribed or not because we don't want to pay for you. <laughs> we want a high open rate, a high participation rate. We don't want to pay for people who don't want to get our emails. And the second reason is that if they don't click unsubscribe, they're going to click spam. And that's way, way worse. So you want to make it as easy as possible for people to unsubscribe. Two hoops to get in, one hoop to get out. <laughs> it's not like Fight Club. <laughs> it's the opposite of Fight Club. The opposite, yeah. Tip number three is send at least once per quarter. If you're sending out once per quarter, great. If you're going once every six months, that's not enough frequency. We certainly... Uh, are not subscribers to the idea of send a newsletter every day or two per hour. But if you're talking about how much is too much, how much is too little, too little is anything less than a quarter. And, uh, and here's why this is important. Um, I had a client I was working with, and this client spoke at conferences all over the country, very popular speaker, and for years had been collecting email addresses from the folks who came to hear him speak. But he'd never signed up for an email service to actually email those email addresses. He just collected them. And so finally, we get everything typed in, we, we're on MailChimp, we send out an email, and people who hadn't heard him speak for years, some of them had forgotten who he was. And you're like, oh, I'm a good speaker, no one's forgetting. It's like, uh, yeah, you're probably not as good as this guy, okay? This is a guy who fills arenas, okay, of people to, to come and hear him speak. And people had forgotten who he was over the years. You know, they'd slept a few times, and they're like, who is this guy? And they're clicking spam, clicking spam. We ended up getting banned from MailChimp. Oh, wow. And these are people who all signed up on pieces of paper. And at one point, we were like appealing to the Google judges, you know, and we actually had the paper, you know, in their handwriting. But finally, it was just too many, and we were banished from MailChimp, and we went into exile to the wilderness known as Constant Contact, and it was awful. Oh, my gosh. I feel so bad for people who would inflict that on themselves. <laughs> by the way, this episode is sponsored by Constant Contact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we need to get MailChimp to sponsor us. Anyway, um, MailChimp, if you're listening, uh, email us at uh, sponsorships at novelmarketing.com. We'll uh, be happy to take your money. Um, no, but seriously, you want to ping them frequent enough and this conflicts with some advice I sometimes give novelists which is only email when you have a new book coming out and so if you are releasing a book every year I almost say you could get away with it but really you need to be pinging them at least with a Christmas message so Merry Christmas you send out an email it's got a fun photo it's kind of a benign people are very unlikely to spam a Christmas message or a Happy New Year or well not don't do both <laughs> um, like a July 4th you know happy july 4th just something so that they're reminded oh yeah so that then when they do get that message they're like who is this james rupert guy <laughs> it's like no actually it's james l rubart and you gave five stars to all my books on amazon so i know that's not what you want to hear the fourth tip is write an intriguing 
intriguing and yet non-spammy subject line. So the subject of the email is critical for getting people to open it. And it's also one of the first things that the spam filter looks at. So you want to make it look like a legit subject line, but also the kind of thing people want to open. Because again, the more they open your emails, the more likely you are to show up in their inbox. Tip number five is avoid bad words. And we're not talking uh, cursing. We're talking words like 100% satisfied, bargain, free. And all of Pills' sibling words. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you're not talking about those things in your email. Right. Um, So uh, in other words, those words will trigger the spam filters because those are sales words. Those are the, the words that come up often, often, often. 99% 99% of the time in spam That's right. And there's actually a list of about 100 words that are the top trigger words, and that changes from time to time. So what I recommend is you go to Google and you just type in the phrase spam trigger words, and you'll get the most recent list. The other way, to, the even easier way, is just go to your spam box, scan the subjects, and don't use any of the words that are in those <laughs> subjects. So, so you know, for a while, penny stocks are really big. I remember when I was a kid, penny stock spam was just like the thing. And now you don't see as much on that. So the spam weather changes from time to time. And so depending on what the weather is, what the spammers are spamming about, you want to avoid those topics, uh, at least the words that they use. Right now I'm getting a lot of lot of windows. <laughs> People are really wanting me to redo my window. Funny. All right, tip number six is to use a trusted sender. So when you send out email, uh, some senders have a reputation with the ISPs like Yahoo and like Gmail so that email from those senders is automatically delivered directly to the inbox. And these uh, are senders like MailChimp, AWeber, HubSpot, Constant Contact. So you want to use these top list senders. The one that I use and that we get all of our clients to use is MailChimp. What I like about them is that they're free if you have less than 2,000 subscribers, which for most of you listening, especially if you're just getting started, that's you. So everyone else is going to charge you $15 or $20 a month. So getting started, MailChimp is by far the best, and they have the best technology of the ones I've used, and I've used a lot of them. But even if you're using Constant Contact, that's better than doing what you absolutely must never do. Please, if you never do this, do not blind carbon copy lots and lots of people from your personal email box. That is, oh, that is that is the worst. Um, you will get slapped down. And here's what's really bad about that is because when they're marking you as spam, they are marking your personal email as spam, which can break that email address. And there's no way for people to unsubscribe or even know uh, what email address you've emailed because it's blind carbon copy, so it's blind even to the receiver. And oh, it's just, I hate it when I do that. And the only way for them to unsubscribe is to personally tell you. So maybe they met you one time at a conference and they don't want to tell you I want to unsubscribe because that's socially awkward. So it's easier for them to mark as spam. So you'll get tons of spam reports. Never, never, never do this. I know some of you listening are doing this. It's okay, there's forgiveness. And the forgiveness comes and never doing it again. <laughs> so do not blind carbon copy a big list of people. And you know, especially you're doing it when you have like, it's too many and you have to send three or four copies. Oh, don't do that. Final tip, <laughs> yeah. Final tip is one that you know, but it never hurts to repeat it, and that is avoid using all caps because uh, all caps means what? You are shouting. <laughs> you are shouting, and no one wants to be shouted at. I had a friend; I was a part of a, a, a group email, and this one guy would use all caps all the time, and everyone was just so tired of reading his emails. <laughs> 
And it, I, you feel bad for the person who doesn't know that that's shouting and they like just left caps lock on accidentally and they're like, oh, that's like, yeah, don't, don't use all capital letters. Better to use all lowercase, but even that's kind of unprofessional. Unless you're E.E. E. Cummings, and if you are E.E. E. Cummings, you can do that because that's his signature. I hate to break it to you, but you are not E.E. E. Cummings. Okay, so we're out of time, uh, but hopefully this will help you. Um, if you follow these rules, you really will stay out of the spam box and your emails will be delivered. And I still believe that email is the most effective online tool for promoting your books. This episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast has been brought to you by my book, Table. Uh, There's two versions of that. If you're unaware, there is a free version. But if you want the one with all the whistles and bells that will make you 15 pounds skinnier and make you, oh gosh, upwards of $100,000 in the next six months, you want the whistle and bell version. We should do a better job marketing the things we promote on this podcast. No, but seriously, my book table is a widget you should have. If you've got a WordPress uh, website, that's uh, a tool you should have. And you can get 10% off right now. Just use the coupon code Novel Marketing. As you know, Jim and I, James and I, don't charge for this podcast. This podcast is free, which means that our entire income is in the form of iTunes reviews. So please, uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast even a little bit, we would greatly appreciate it if you would go on your phone, open up the app uh, that you listened to this podcast in, and just leave us a quick star rating or leave us a quick review so that other people uh, can discover the podcast. We realize that podcasting is an intensely personal experience. You typically listen in a very private place, and it's not something you talk to your friends a whole lot about. And so the way people discover podcasts is through iTunes. And so, you really help us out a lot when you leave us a review, and we really appreciate everyone who has left us a review. This has been the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.